Aren't you grateful to be at church tonight? I love to see you here tonight. It wouldn't be church without you. And so it's great to come together. Those of you who are with us in Mesa, I know we have church family online right now. I saw we had someone with us at uh, Idaho. <laughs> What's up? People in the Valley tuning in online. And so it's great to be together for that time of worship. And for those of you who are new to church, now we're going to jump into the service uh, time where we study the Word of God. And it's so important for us and so helpful for us. It's not just educational, it's transformational. It actually changes us. And that's why we do this. It's so helpful. We're going to start out a new series on Jonah tonight. Jonah is an awesome story. It's a whole book of the Bible called Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. If you want to read along with us, you can go there in your Bible. Just flip through all the books that sound like Star Wars names. Go through Obadiah and Haggai, Haggai and Nahum and Chewbacca, and then you'll get to Jonah. I want you to follow along with us. And we're going to start out this week uh, talking about calling. And so this first message is called Running from a Calling. Before God even knit you together in your mother's womb, he had placed a specific calling on your life and designed you for a purpose. And most people don't realize that, so they spend their whole lives pursuing other things that might be noble ventures but can't ultimately satisfy them and fulfill their calling. What people tend to do, they pursue things like career advancement. They think, you know, if I can be my own boss or if I can get paid to do what I love or if I can climb the corporate ladder, then I'll have more prestige and freedom and, and respect and I'll be happy. But then what people realize is that's not how it works. Even when they do make it to the top, they find that it doesn't satisfy them. So sometimes they'll pursue more, more pay and compensation. They think you know, if I make more money, that'll solve all my problems. I won't have to worry about having enough and I'll be able to have all the nice things and I'll be able to enjoy life and people will know I'm successful when they see my bank account. But then they find that they make money and even the richest people in society will tell you that, yeah, it's thrilling for a moment, but that fades and money doesn't make you happy either. It doesn't satisfy you. Some people, career and compensation isn't working out so well, so they especially like to throw themselves into things like hobbies and pastimes to distract themselves and fill up their free time. And you've all got different types of hobbies, I'm sure, you know, sports, golf, crafting, shopping for a bargain, video games, shooting, whatever it is for you. Those things can be really fun, really great to, you know, enjoy. But then at the end of your life, that's not what's going to make you feel satisfied. You're not gonna look back on your life and think, huh, got a thousand rounds of golf in, life was a success. That's not how it works. That's not what ultimately satisfies you. God gave you certain gifts and talents and experiences that no one else has. He gave those things to you because he designed you specifically for a purpose. And the only thing that will make you truly happy and satisfied in your soul is to answer God's calling on your life and do what you were created to do. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I know some of you had loving parents who showered you with affection, but others of you, maybe you had some deadbeat dad who told you you were a mistake. But guess what? God, your father in heaven says, no, nah, you're a masterpiece. He created you long ago with this plan 
that you would fulfill a specific purpose for your life. And you might have messed some things up in your past, but you've been made anew in Christ Jesus. You were created on purpose for a purpose, not by accident. God has a plan for you. And here's what's awesome. As Christians, we've been reborn, renewed with a new mandate on life. You're newly commissioned to fulfill God's calling on your life, what he has determined from before time began And that's so satisfying. The problem is a lot of people don't understand that. Many people don't ever discover their calling, and so they certainly can't fulfill it and find satisfaction. And so I think we're going to learn from the story of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, we start out as he is discovering his calling and beginning the journey of fulfilling it. I want you to realize this. The Bible is not an old book. It's a timeless book. It doesn't tell us what happened. It tells us what always happens. And what you're going to realize is that the story of Jonah is about you. You're going to learn about calling and how to fulfill it and what it looks like, how to recognize it. But I want to start out, I'm going to get this point first. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing I want you to realize about calling is your calling will scare you. It will scare you. It's going to make you a little bit uneasy. It says this in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preached against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. How many of you ever tried to flee from the Lord? It doesn't work out super well, does it? So the passage says Nineveh was a great city. And it's great in several ways. First, it's great in size. Jonah 3 tells us that it took about three days for an average person to journey through the city. It was comparable in size to Babylon. And you can actually travel to the Middle East right now and see the city wall remains and the ruins of this city. It's an actual real place. You can, some of you didn't know that. You're like, the Bible is true? Like, it's real? It's real life? Yes. This actually happened. And Nineveh was comparable to Babylon, one of the greatest cities in antiquity and size. But it was great in another way. It was also great in wickedness. It was great in size, but also great in wickedness. And so God says, Joan, I want you to go and preach against this city. Because, you know, it's a great city, great in wickedness, but we also have a great God. So we should expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. God had a great plan, and it was going to come to pass through Jonah. So he tells him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to get a sense of the geography of this situation, okay? So Jonah lived around Israel here, and he was being called to go to Nineveh, which was around 550 miles away. And instead of going where God called him, he got on a boat at Joppa, which is around modern-day Tel Aviv. And he said, I want to go as far away from Nineveh as I can possibly get. Tarshish was on the edge of Spain, And in this day and age, this was essentially their Timbuktu. They didn't know about England. They didn't know about the Americas. This was the furthest city on the map. Jonah literally went as far away from God's call as he could possibly go. And to give you a little bit of scale for this situation, this would be like if you lived in New York City and God called you to go up the coast to Maine and instead you went to Los Angeles. About the same distance, 2,500, 3,000 miles-ish away from where God was calling him. You know, I think it's funny. It shows me that it takes more energy to run from God's calling than to just follow it. (laughs) And yet people spend their whole lives fighting what God's calling them to do. They don't understand why they're so worn out and unfulfilled. 
Now, we think about this situation, Jonah running from God, going in the opposite direction. And it's easy for us to sit here in 2021 in our air conditioning, on our comfortable seats, and shake our heads at Jonah like, what a loser. (laughs) You should have listened, Jonah. You should have done what God called you to do. But we don't understand what he was dealing with. We don't understand. See, God was calling him to Nineveh. This was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which was one of the most brutal empires in the history of the world. And the Assyrians, they were famous for brutality. I'll give you a sense for some of the things that they would do so you can understand when the Bible says they were wicked. Here's some of the things they would do. When they would capture an enemy, it was common for them to cut off his legs and one of his arms so they could shake his remaining hand in mockery while he died. Another thing they would do is they would skin their enemies alive and then stretch their skins out on the city walls as a warning to anyone who would dare oppose them. They would bury people up to their heads and stake their tongues to the ground and let them die of thirst. And one historian said that they'd also take their captives and make them listen to Taylor Swift albums over and over again (laughs) until they went insane. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But they were brutal. And so think about this, man. We got this little Jewish boy being called to go to an Iraqi terrorist state. This is where Nineveh is. It's modern-day Mosul, Iraq is where it's at. And so you can understand why he was scared. God's call came to Jonah, and it scared him. And when God's call comes to you, it will scare you. It will scare you. Maybe God's going to call you to uh, share Christ with someone knowing they could reject you. Maybe he's going to call you to make a sacrifice you don't think you can afford. Or maybe he's calling you to step into a leadership position that you don't feel like you're ready for. But your calling will always take you out of your comfort zone. Always. Always will take. God does not call you to do what's comfortable. God calls you to do what's unthinkable, what feels unnatural, what seems impossible. That's how it works. That's one of the ways you know it's actually God calling you. And when God's call comes, it'll scare you and it'll require faith. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide, am I going to live in fear for self-preservation or am I going to live in faith for God glorification? And that choice will determine your legacy. That choice will determine your legacy. In Numbers chapter 13, we read a story about 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan to check out the promised land and scout out the land. And we know that the story says, you know, two spies came back with faith, 10 spies came back fearful, saying, you know, there's giants in those land, we don't stand a chance. So I wanna play a little game, a little game called, have you heard this name? Anybody, you've heard of these guys or you know someone with this name? Okay, let's go through it here. Shamua, anyone know a Shamua? Not Shamu, the whale, but Shamua. You know a Shaphat or a Palti? Gadiel? Anyone? Gadi? Amiel? Sether? Nabi? Or my favorite, Geul? These are available for baby names if anyone is thinking about that. Or how many of you know someone named Joshua? Or a Caleb? Anybody? See, what this shows us is that the only people who get remembered are those who live by faith. No one who lives by fear will ever be remembered because fear will keep you from your calling and cancel your legacy before it even begins. Your calling requires you to live by faith even when 
the circumstances seem frightening. And so some of you might be asking at this point, well, okay, but how do I know my calling? A common question, I think a lot of you are probably chewing on that right now. What's my calling? Well, let me say how you don't find your calling before I get into that. Here's a little bit of a warning when it comes to calling. Your calling is not gonna be found in coincidence. Don't mistake coincidence for calling. Just because your daddy was a farmer doesn't mean you're called to be a farmer. Just because someone offered you a job doesn't mean God actually called you to take that job. Not every open door is from God. Ladies, just because some guy DMs you doesn't mean you're called to marry him. Could just be a coincidence. And I think about with Jonah, we see that play out so clearly. You know, he was scared. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so I can just picture him as he's wanting to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction, down to Joppa, goes to the travel agency ticket counter. Um, by chance, do you have anything going in the opposite direction of Nineveh? Oh, you do? It's an open door. It must be from God. Uh, I think I should do it, right? And, and I think sometimes people do this. They get confused and they think that open doors always come from God. That's not how it works. So an open door is not always an opportunity from God because you have an enemy who is working to open the wrong doors. Your enemy will give you an escape hatch so that you can exit God's plan for your life. He's all, he is always more than happy to do that. And if you just go through every open door, assuming a green light is always coming from God, you'll find yourself on the wrong path, following the wrong voice. So don't mistake every open door as an opportunity from God. Not every opportunity is from God. And when God calls you, what you're going to find, the devil will always be there providing a ship to Tarshish. You got to be careful about this. So, so how do you discern God's calling on your life? Well, it does take time, does take prayer, but I can tell you how you're going to start to figure it out possibly. Here's what it looks like. To hear God's calling, listen to your own complaints. You read Jonah chapter four, the end of the story, and a little bit of a spoiler here is he goes to Nineveh eventually. We'll talk about that, how he gets there. But he ends up preaching to the city and the people do repent and they come to God. And you'd think that this would be like the greatest day of Jonah's life, this amazing miracle. But instead, the Bible says he gets depressed and angry. And he calls out to God. God's like, why are you angry? He's like, because I knew you were gonna do this. I knew I was gonna preach and you were gonna soften their hearts and they were gonna repent. And now they're not gonna get any justice. They're just gonna get mercy. This is just like you, God. And we have to kind of realize, like, how did he get to that point? The thing is, the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh is because he hated the Ninevites. I mean, he probably spent his whole life sitting around complaining about their wickedness and praying, God, you need to do something about Nineveh. It's a problem. And God said, yeah, I've got a plan, actually. It's funny you should mention that. And Jonah's saying, I didn't want to actually do something about it. I just wanted to complain about it. But here's the thing, your complaints will oftentimes point to your calling. And when you find yourself pointing out a problem, it could be that you're also pointing at the solution. Like I remember growing up, like that cheesy thing, like, you know, when you point at someone, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And I was like, stop. But no, when it comes to your calling, that could be true. As you point out complaints, problems in the world around you and frustrations, it could be that you're also pointing at the solution. You didn't just notice that problem. It could be that God revealed that problem to you because he is calling you to it. 
And so I'll get this question from young people, for example, like, well, hey, Ryan, how did you know you were called to be a pastor? How did you know you were called into ministry? Well, here's the thing. At the time, I didn't know that's what God was doing, but it started through my frustration. I didn't know I was called to be a pastor. I was just frustrated as a soldier. Back when I was in the army, I remember I was moving around the country, wherever they sent me, uh, living on different military installations. And, and so what would happen is, you know, I was just a single guy. I was lonely, looking for community. And so I would go to church. I would go to a church. And, and as I went to churches, I would be kind of frustrated. And I couldn't find the kind of church that felt like home. I'd go to one church and the people were like really passionate, but they were also kind of crazy. And so I'm like, this isn't going to work. I can't invite any of my friends to come here with me. I go to some other churches, like really taught the Bible, but then everybody was like dead asleep. I'm like, hello, we should check someone's pulse. You know, like I go to other churches, they were really friendly to each other, but they didn't seem to care about lost people or reaching them. Some churches were big, but it was like just a big production. Other churches were small and they seemed happy to stay that way. Some churches were loving, but they had no vision for the future. I went to some churches where I felt like an outsider others that were stuck in the past and culturally irrelevant. And I'd be so frustrated, like, God, why can't I find the kind of church that I want to go to? Frustrated. Like, I want a church that's passionate, but you can still invite your friends to. I want a church that is going to teach the Bible deeply, but also practically. I want a church where we love the people who are there, but we are longing for the people who aren't there. I want a church that's culturally relevant, but also faithful to unchanging truth. I want a church that kids actually want to go to, and they're actually equipped to live for God. God, why can't I find that church? And God said, funny you should mention that. Let's do something about it. I'm like, let's? You mean let's as in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? He's like, I mean, let's as in us. No, 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 God, I, I didn't wanna be called to it. I just wanted to complain about it. But that's how it works. A lot of times your misery points to your ministry. And your frustrations reveal your di divine function. The things that you are frustrated about can very likely reveal the function that God designed you for. So think about the things that frustrate you most in the world. Think about some of the pain that you've experienced or some of the deep misery that you've lived through. 2 Corinthians 1 talks about how God brings us through pain and misery, not just to heal us, but also so that we can turn around and minister to those who are also suffering in misery. The things that you've gone through are not a coincidence. It's your calling. It's your calling. I know some of you might be frustrated right now, experiencing something like loneliness maybe. Thinking, you know, why is it so hard to make friends? Why is it so hard to find community? And I'll tell you what, you're not the only person that feels that way. You realize there are other people in our church who felt that way, but they've become some of our best life group leaders. Maybe when you were a kid, you know, you can look back now and you'd say, man, I was struggling as a child. If an adult would have come along and just taken me under his or her wing and just loved me and encouraged me and, and took an interest in me. It would have helped me so much and saved me from so much pain. Guess what? There are other people in our church who felt that way and they've become some of our best kids ministry leaders. Yeah. 
Maybe you're broke and you're like, I don't have any money. I'm always worrying where my next meal is gonna come from, how am I gonna pay my bills? Guess what? There are other people who were in that position in our church and God brought them out of that and gave them success and now they become some of our most generous people. Now they become the blessing that they used to pray for. God brings you through this pain. He leads you through misery to point you to your purpose and your ministry. It's not an accident. God says the thing you've been complaining about, that's probably the thing that I'm calling you to do something about. And if you're like me, you might struggle with feeling qualified for what God's called you to do. I know I didn't and still don't feel qualified to be a pastor. But it's funny, the pain that I used to pray away is the thing that God uses to qualify me for my purpose. Your pain, the thing that you went, the thing that you struggle with, the thing you used to ask God to take away is now the thing he's working together and using to qualify you to fulfill your calling. Which brings me to this third point. You don't have to be perfect to fulfill your purpose. That's a theme throughout the book of Jonah. It's not so much about the conversion of Nineveh as it is the conversion of Jonah. Jonah, this guy who is an Israelite, he knows the one true God and the word of the Lord, is called to go and preach to this great wicked city. And yet, when you read the book, you realize Jonah's the worst guy in the book. Every time he's around pagans who don't know God, they act more righteous than him. I'll show you an example. Like, for example, he, he's on this ship heading to Tarshish, as far as he can go from where God called him, and a, a storm comes, and here's what we read in verse five. It says this, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The storm comes, right, and the sailors, they start praying, maybe to false gods, but at least they're praying. And then they try to do something about the problem, at least. Jonah, like a lazy bum, just goes down and takes a nap, ignorant of what's going on around him and apathetic. One guy asked me, Pastor Ryan, do you think ignorance or apathy is a bigger problem in America today? And I said, I don't know, and I don't care. I mean, think about Jonah versus these sailors. Jonah, Jonah, when he's called to Nineveh and the word of God comes to Nineveh, they repent. When the word of God came to Jonah, he ran. I mean, he's like the worst guy in the whole book. And yet he's the person God uses. Because God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And he always has. You don't have to be perfect to answer your calling. You, you need to know this. God will use your calling to perfect you. Some people struggle with that. I guarantee you there's someone right here right now struggling with this, thinking like, God couldn't use me. You know he's calling you to something and you're, you're wrestling, you think your past has disqualified you. You're sitting here going like, I couldn't be used by God. I was divorced, I had a bankruptcy, I did things, I have a rap sheet, God couldn't use me. You think you got a big scarlet D on your chest or a big scarlet B or a big scarlet L for loser. And that's not how it works. As a Christian, you've only got one letter on your chest and it's F for forgiven. And it's scarlet written in the blood of Jesus. Now, recently in our culture, it's interesting as we're talking about this, think about the cancel culture that exists today. Like everyone wants to cancel people because of what they did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, something they tweeted when they were in college. (laughs) How many of you know if we started doing that to everyone, we'd all be done, we'd all be done. We've all done stupid things in our past, but as I'm thinking about how silly that is, 
I can't help but notice Christianity in many ways is the original cancel culture. Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, canceled the record of debt that stood against you. And so as Christians, we don't cancel people. We cancel sin, we cancel shame, we cancel regret, we cancel failure, and we recognize that God can use anyone. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. He's just asking you to be a vessel. For example, like uh, today we uh, started our fast as a church. How many of you are enjoying the fast so far? Anybody hungry? Let me just grab this. So, you know, we started the fast today. In preparation for the fast last week, I ordered a personal pizza. Some of you are like, well, that's probably a large, but any pizza is a personal pizza if you try hard enough, <laughs> right? So I actually ordered pizza probably more than once. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think about like ordering that pizza, right? Imagine the pizza guy comes to your door, rings your doorbell, and he's holding your pizza in his bare hand. He's like, uh, hey, bro, did somebody order a pizza? And you think thinking to yourself, like, where's the box? Right here he is, like, cheese dripping down his arm. Like, I expected the product to come in a vessel. And the thing is, like, this box isn't that valuable in and of itself. It's probably only worth, like, 35 cents. But it's what you put in the box that makes it incredibly valuable. See, it's just a vessel, but because of what's put in it, it's so important and useful. And you need to realize that as followers of Jesus, we're just vessels. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a genius or wealthy or beautiful. You just have to be empty and available. God, no, God's gonna fill you up with his spirit. If you're empty and available, God will provide the miracle. He'll fill you with purpose and he'll use you for a specific calling. How many of you are ready for pizza now? You can't have it because you're on a fast, right? You're like... And so this brings me to my last point. Running from your calling will lead to despair. And Hebrew scholars point out throughout the book of Jonah, there's a word that gets repeated again and again. It's the word down, down. For example, he went down to Joppa. He went down to the innermost part of the ship. He went down into a deep sleep. He went down into the ocean. He went down into a great fish. What it's teaching us is that when you run from your calling, your life becomes a downward spiral. This is why some of you, the last 10 years of your life, maybe your income went up, your status on the org chart went up, but your level of happiness went down. You can be a professional success and personally very unhappy at the same time because God designed you for a purpose and you cannot satisfy your inherent appetite for purpose through profession or possessions. When you run from God's calling, it makes you miserable. It leads to despair. And now it's even interesting to me that science confirms this today. I love as a pastor when science catches up to God's word. Thousands of years ago, Bible's written, and here we are today. Science is just now catching up. I love how that works. You know, God's the creator of the universe. He knows everything. If people just listen to him, they know a lot more than they know now. But I like when they catch up because it just confirms what we know is true. And so here's an example. When I was in college in the sociology class, they talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Anybody remember this? What this talks about is the basic needs that all humans have. We need these things in order to be okay. 
And I'll start with the bottom. We have physiological needs. These are physical needs. Like you have a need to sleep, to eat, to breathe. Those are your physical needs. If you don't have those things, you're not going to be happy. And then another need is our safety and security need. We need safety. That's why you lock your doors and you want to have insurance. And that's why you want the police to call or to come when you call them, right? That's why some people got so fired up about the election is because they, they view uh, their, their uh, the opposition as a threat to their own safety and security. Uh, then we have our love needs. We need to feel love. We need to be uh, on the receiving end of affection. We all need that. And that's why social media is so popular today because people are getting those love needs met through likes and little hearts. <laughs> then we have self-esteem needs. We need people to compliment us and think highly of us. That's why we love compliments. And guys and girls are so different in this category, aren't they? Like, you know, like a girl, she could be beautiful and radiant and you could compliment her and she'd be like, oh, me, no, stop. Whereas like a guy, he could just be like a fat slob and he'd be like, I'm awesome and handsome. <laughs> like, this is totally different. Just relax. And then we have like knowledge needs, like we need to learn. That's why we like podcasts and documentaries because we want to grow intellectually. Then we have our need for aesthetics. We love beautiful things. Uh, we love to see creation, nature, art. That's why people like Instagram more than Twitter because it's visually, aesthetically pleasing. And then there's self-actualization. That, that is what uh, we need to win. We need to achieve our goals and get to the top. Now, here's what's interesting. When I was in school first learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization was the highest level need. People need to win. They need to achieve their dreams. But then since then, in, in a relatively short amount of time, psychologists and sociologists have come around. They said, no, we got it wrong. There's actually a higher level need that human beings have. They call it transcendence. And what that really is, transcendence, it's the need to live beyond yourself, to make a difference in the world, and to help other people. They've actually identified that is an even higher level need than your need to win. Like they're confirming what God has told us for thousands of years. You could win, you could have love and money and success, but unless you do the thing that God called you to do, unless you live out the life that he specifically designed you for, you are never going to feel happiness and deep satisfaction in your soul. That's why we read Ephesians 2.10. Like, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That means it doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter how you messed up before. You didn't blow it. You've been renewed and created anew in Christ Jesus so that now... You can do the things that God has planned for you to do. You can fulfill your purpose and answer your calling. And so your choice is this. You can either run from your calling or you can respond to it and answer it and go where God has called you. You can do what he made you to do. Without Jesus, it's impossible to fulfill your calling. With him, it's gonna happen. So here's how it looks, just kind of break this down. If you're already a Christian and this is your church home, one of the best ways to start the journey of fulfilling your calling is to serve other people. Remember we said that's actually the highest level need that human beings have according to psychologists and sociologists. Well, guess what? 
That's what Jesus said when he walked the earth. He said, I served you, now serve one another. When he told us to serve one another, he was actually giving us a shortcut to meeting our greatest need, the need to make a difference and to help other people and love people the way that Jesus has loved us. Serve one another. And one of the best ways to serve other people is through your local church. In fact, that's one of the the most amazing things about a local church. This is a local church, by the way, in case you weren't tracking that. That's what's amazing about it is that it is inherently designed and structured to facilitate all God's people serving one another and being fulfilled at the same time. It's like amazing how God does it. It's like he knows what he's doing. I love it. We have people in our church who are successful and wealthy and CEOs, and yet they come to church and they serve people all day on Sunday. Why do they do that? They say, this is the most fulfilling thing I get to do all week. And so every week we have hundreds of people who serve at our church, and we could not do this without them. And they're doing it because, yeah, they want to be obedient to God. But more so, what they all learn quickly is that I get more out of it than I give to it. It fulfills me. And I'm getting to do what I was designed to do. So, man, everyone needs to serve in some way. Every Christian needs to serve. And this is the part of the sermon where it gets a little awkward because people are like, well, I'm not really doing that. But you can start. That's all right. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm challenging you and showing you how to be fulfilled and happy. And so here's what you can do. You can go to G101, and in that class, we're going to help you find areas you can serve that line up with your passions and your gifting and your experiences. And there's so many opportunities. You know, if you love kids, we can help you with that. If you overcome addiction in your own life, we can help you serve and celebrate recovery. You know, if you love caring for people, we can plug you into that kind of ministry. Like, it's amazing how God will use your past and prepare you to fulfill your purpose. And if you've already been to G101, maybe you used to serve, uh, and let's say you've been taking a break. Break's over. Time to serve. Right? We don't take off from God's calling in our lives. So man, I want you all to just jump into that and just uh, answer that call that God has placed on your life to serve. And then if we back the train up even further here, the ultimate way to find fulfillment and happiness and follow your calling is to answer God's call and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is calling all of us, anyone who would listen, and open up their hearts to receive Jesus. And many of you already have, but there very likely could be some people here tonight who haven't fully accepted Jesus that way as Lord and Savior. And if you're like, I'm not sure if I have, then you probably haven't. Because if you have, you know you have. If you're online right now and you're like, I don't know if I've fully accepted Jesus. Maybe you've even been coming to church, but you haven't fully surrendered your life to him. And what does that look like to fully surrender your life to him? It's when you say, I'm gonna put all of my trust, all of my hope in Jesus to save me. I'm gonna recognize the fact that I cannot save myself. I cannot earn God's favor or forgiveness. I can only receive forgiveness by God's grace through faith in Jesus. And then the Bible says you've gotta do this. You've gotta believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God. He is who he said he was. You gotta believe that he died on the cross for your sins. We've all sinned. And he died so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. And you have got to believe that he rose from the grave three days later. 
That's what separates him from every other good teacher, from every other religious leader. He's the only one who died and rose again, which proves he is God as he claimed to be. If you believe that, and if you call on the name of the Lord to save you, the Bible says you will be saved. And ultimately, every Christian has surrendered to God in that way and submitted themselves to him and accepted Jesus as their king. And if you do that, that's the first step in following God's call on your life. Maybe some of you tonight haven't done that yet, and this could be the most important moment in your entire life. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray with you Let's just bow our heads right now and just close our eyes. Between you and God, a private moment. If you're ready to accept Jesus tonight, exactly as we were talking about, just pray this with me. Just say, God, I need you to save me. I open my heart to Jesus. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins, and I receive forgiveness right now. I believe Jesus rose again, and I accept this gift of victory that Jesus has earned. I'm gonna follow him from this day forward. I thank you, Jesus, for loving me and leading me. Amen.